0: As we came to the end of last year, we really felt challenged as a leadership to actually reclaim and recommit to the tagline that sat alongside Catalyst Church for 10 years. There's sometimes things can just become so familiar that they actually lose their energy and their power and their passion. And so the idea of being a revolution of love is actually quite confronting it's quite dramatic, it's quite challenging. A revolution is actually turning things upside down. And yet sometimes you can, you can get in the motions of things and forget the reason you actually gather. And so, uh, so we've actually been preparing. And I was away for a couple of weeks in December. But Nath preached up a storm. There were a couple of fantastic messages on conviction, on walking with the Spirit that you can jump online. I listened to them this week. They were, they were brilliant and really, really good preparation for what it means to be a revolution of love. And, and we recognize that being a revolution of love in our own strength and our own way is a waste of time. We actually want to be practicing the ways of Jesus. If we want to be an effective revolution of love, there's no other way to do it than practicing the ways of Jesus. And that's something we're focusing on as a church this year. And this morning, I want to do a little bit of preparation as well. And so I just want, to, just want to prepare for what God has for us in store this year. And I believe that's also the case for those going to Southern Cross Kids Camp. I believe God wants us to prepare for what he has in store for us this coming week. He has great intentions. His desire has always to be to restore that which is broken, to reunite those with the original plan and design that he had, to share his love with people. And I believe at the camp and in our lives this year, that is what God wants to do. And so we're really, really keen to do that and do that well. So we're going to just do a little bit of preparation this morning. Now, I'm terrible at memorizing Bible verses, it takes me two or three years for a Bible verse actually to sink in. And even after that time, I can never remember the numbers and the, and the verse. But some people are amazing at it. Great respect for people who can memorize Bible verses. And am going to throw a couple of names at you, verses and numbers, and see if anyone can know what they are. They're common ones that people often do memorize. So the first one is Jeremiah 29.11. Does anyone yet? Yeah? What does Jeremiah 29.11 say? Absolutely, for I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord, "plans to bless you and give you a future to prosper you." Absolutely, fantastic! Thank you. That's brilliant. Philippians four thirteen, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I even had to look at my notes to remember that one. Terrible, isn't it? It's there somewhere. Third one, third and last one. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto Fantastic verses, great truth in these verses, and great things to remember. Fantastic. But I now want to switch gears for those that are good at remembering Bible verses to those that are good at baking. Anyone good at baking? Also good at baking and Bible verses? Are you married? You've got the jackpot, mate. Baking and Bible verses. That's phenomenal. I love it. Wow. Praise God. 2021 It's a year. Fantastic. So baking. Could, uh, someone who's good at baking, Sue, you're, you're good at baking, melting chocolate. What's your melting chocolate technique for baking? Quick, easy way, microwave yep. very slowly. Otherwise, you put it over a double saucepan on the stove. Okay. Microwave or double saucepan. Fantastic. Very good. Excellent. What about egg whites to whip to a firm peak? pinch of salt. Pinch of salt? Yeah. Room temperature, not room temperature? Room temperature, definitely. Okay. Leave the eggs out on the bench for two hours. Fantastic. Wow. Have you got all that? Everyone remembering this? That's the end of the message, by the way. You just got a baking... No, that's not true. The thing is, there's, there's something in both of those cases that Sue didn't mention. And it could cause a lot of problem with either of those two activities. Does anyone want to guess what it is? They often say it in recipes, when you read the recipes, what to do. Does anyone want to guess? Time, that wasn't what I was thinking of. Ingredients, heat, weight, no. Water, what happens if your bowl is wet? It doesn't work. So these instructions are fantastic, but they're useless if you forget to tell the person to use a dry bowl. All of a sudden, has anyone tried to melt chocolate with a wet bowl? It's terrible. It all goes clunky and I don't know what you call it. There's a technical word for it. Clunky. Clunky is good. And if you tried to beat those eggs and beat those eggs and beat those eggs and they just don't go firm because you used a wet bowl. The instructions were great. But there's actually a problem unless you have all the information. The the same applies to these three verses. They're fantastic instructions. They're fantastic um, uh, advice. They're they're God's truth for us. But we actually miss out on it if we don't, we're being cruel if we don't actually look at what the authors wrote when they wrote those things that go with them. Jeremiah 29.10. Wonder what that says. Does anyone memorize Jeremiah 29.10? me either. Jeremiah 29 says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, being the chosen land, the the promised land. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So before he said, I know the plans I have for you, he said, you've got to wait 70 years oh, hang on a minute, we've got to wait 70 years. It's like the dry bowl. God's saying you've got to be patient. He's also talking to Babylonians, by the way, so I want to be a bit careful that we don't claim this verse for ourselves. He's actually talking to specific people here, but there's a truth in there anyway, that God does have plans and purposes for us. But he said, wait 70 years and I'll visit you after 70 years. And then you will know the plans and purposes I have for you. Wow. Hang on a minute. There's something in this context that we have to understand. Maybe we have to wait before we know the plans and purposes God has for us. The sentence before Philippians 4.13. Now, some of you may actually know that. Paul says, In any and every circumstance... I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Again, there's context to the idea of us being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's knowing the secret of the highs and the lows, being able to actually sustain the ups and the downs, not getting too impatient, not getting too frustrated with when we've got plenty or have little. And in that circumstance, in, that, in the knowing of that secret of how to sustain that, God's strength will sustain us through that. We can do everything that he's called us to. The last one, Matthew 6.33. Let's jump back to Matthew 6.31. It says, so we're, we're, we're talking about seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6.31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And it goes on to say, in case you didn't get the verse before Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.34 says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I don't believe it's God's design, his plan, his purpose for us to head into 2021 to, to embrace his blessing as we've talked about at the start of the service, his plans and purposes, the things he wants to teach us, the the things he wants to uh, help us get engaged with and to commission us to as we've done this morning, while at the same time holding on to other things that we've carried or that we've brought into the picture. I don't think he, he actually wants us to hold on to both. I think God does have an amazing plan and purpose for you, a future to, future that's great, that's good. But you've got to let go of your impatience to receive that. I don't think you're going to experience the fullness of that plan and purpose if you want to hold on to your impatience at the same time. I really think God will strengthen you to be able to do everything that he's called you to this year but you've actually got to let go of your grumbling and discontent. You're not going to be able to embrace everything that is calling you to and, and, and receive the, the strengthening in that if you want to hold on to that, that grumbling and discontent. You can't hold on to them both. You can try, but it's not his plan. It's not his design to hold on to them both. I also think it's awesome if we want to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, But you will struggle if you want to hold on to worry, being anxious about the future and not trusting God with it and letting go of that worry and anxiety. These verses are fantastic, but like the cooking, if the bowl is wet, you're in for a really rocky time trying to bake. And in this coming year, I am convinced God has amazing plans and purposes but we make it so much harder for ourselves if we choose to hold on to these things. We want to pick up the things that God has for us, but we've got to let go of the things that sometimes, the the things that we carry as well. I could go on. We could be holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness, offense or resentment, holding on to pride or jealousy or vanity or fear. There's a bunch of things that we bring and sometimes, like I talked at the start about a tagline on a church logo, these things can also become too comfortable and feel like they belong to us. They don't. They're not ours. They're not for us to carry. There's an opportunity as we, as we embrace this year, as we move into this year, to say, I actually want to let go of those things. They don't belong to me. I want to embrace what God has for me, but to do that, I want to do that with both hands and to let go of the things that don't belong to me, that aren't part of God's design or purpose for me. You may have ideas about what 2021 looks like. You may have no idea about what it's going to look like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Matthew 6 31 says, Do not be anxious, do not worry. It's okay. The problem is, though, that often these things, things like worry, they're like boomerangs, aren't they? Has anyone tried to let go of their worry and it's come back and smacked them in the back of the head? I've experienced that. It's not fun. You go, I, I want to let go of it. It keeps coming back. It keeps telling me that it belongs to me. I keep trying to let go and it keeps, it keeps sticking. I keep picking it back up, sometimes deliberately, sometimes not deliberately. The fantastic thing is that when Paul said that he's worked out the secret to being content in all circumstances, he actually tells us what that secret is. He actually shares that with us. And I want to go through that. It's just before that verse that we read, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just before that. In Philippians 4.6, he gives us really clear instructions on what it looks like to let go of these things. We're not left hanging in our own strength, in our own abilities to try and, you know, labor to what it looks like to not worry. Paul has given us great instructions on what that looks like. This is what he says in, starting in Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything. Awesome, Paul. We've got that already. How do we do that? He goes on to say, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's really cool. He actually, and this isn't very common in Scripture, but he actually separates prayer and petition. I really love that he does that. Because what that does is it dis- makes a distinction between the two. Now, petition is our, our wish list, our, our needs, like presenting our needs to God. God, I really need to resolve this issue, or I really, you know, I need a home to sleep in, or whatever it might be, our needs. But Paul deliberately separates these two things. He says, our prayer and our petition. So, if our prayer is not our needs list, what is it? If our prayer is not a list of, 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 of requests, it's not our, our Santa list of presents, then what is the prayer? It's actually worship prayer. And I love, Sue, how, how you um, uh, talked about that before, that idea of, of us worship. And Peter did it the same, our act of worship in in serving. Because the prayer is actually a posture of worship. It's coming to God and saying, God, I'm communicating you not because I have a wish list, but because you are worthy of my time, of my um, my heart, my thought, we're actually coming to pray as a, as a posture of worship. And so we've got this prayer and petition, and it's smothered with thanksgiving. Yeah. So our, our mindset, our posture is a posture of thanksgiving. It's fascinating that so often we think about worry, we think about bitterness, we think about those things, and, and we get down and we get discouraged. But Paul says, no, 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 focus on God and worship God and be thankful to God. That's your posture. I vividly recall a testimony of a lady that lived in Fiji. And when Cyclone Winston came through, it was pretty traumatic. And the week after Cyclone Winston, they had no power. And so her and her husband said, we're going to pray to God and thank him for the electricity. And you might go, gee, that's a little stupid. They've got no electricity, but they're thanking him for the electricity. And this is this thankfulness. They go, God is a provision of everything, and we're going to thank him for the electricity. And I kid you not, they had electricity a week earlier than anybody else in their region. And you go, that's phenomenal. And, and I, I, I'm convinced that this posture, this, this mindset of thankfulness, of thanksgiving to God, actually is part of the transformation It's not just a stuck-on bit. It's actually really significant. Every situation, posture, a mindset of thanksgiving, a worship prayer, and a petition. The petition's there. And you bring all this, and you let God know about it. This is how you get rid of worry. This is Paul's secret to being content in all circumstances. This is our key to stepping into 2021 and not trying to juggle these things, to be able to let go of the things that we carry, that we hold on to, that aren't part of God's design, so that we can embrace the year, we can embrace camp, we can embrace everything that God has for us. So what I want to do is, I want to do this now. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you're worried. I don't know whether there is maybe some offense you're carrying. Maybe you're impatient. There's some things you've wanted to happen and and 2020 robbed you of those things and you just go, God, I'm over it. I'm sick of Zoom. I don't know what your circumstances are, but I am convinced that God is a God that has amazing plans and purposes for us and he wants us to embrace them with both hands. So let's do that. Every situation, including Sunday morning church services. That's part of every situation. With a posture, mindset of thanksgiving. So what is it that you want to be thankful for? Thankful for things that you've already got or thankful for things that are coming? That's, that's pretty cool. If you can stretch your mind to go, like friends in Fiji, stretch your mind to go, I want to be thankful for something that I don't actually have yet. So just pause for a second and think about what are you thankful for? God, I thank you for my camper. I thank you for the sleep I'm going to have next week. Every minute of it, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the house that's going to be quiet because the family member's out on camp next week. Look, Lord, I thank you in advance for that job that I don't have yet. God, I thank you for the plans that you have for 2021 and that you've invited me to participate in that. What are you thankful for? Just let God know. Just silently just let God know. What are you thankful for? And God, we come and we surrender right now. We recognize you're a good God. But we also recognize, Lord, that you, we carry things. We sometimes hold onto them tightly and other times they come back to us even when we, we didn't think we were holding onto them tightly, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to carry our worry. We don't want to be people that are impatient, Lord God. Lord, we want to be content in all circumstances, Father. And yet we come to you and acknowledge that you are the giver of all good gifts. You're worthy of our praise, whether we're in abundance or whether we've got nothing. Whether things are going smoothly or things are going really rocky, Lord God. You are so worthy of our attention, of our surrender, of our time. Lord, we humbly come to you and say, we don't even deserve this conversation. And yet you've made a way for us to sit on your lap and just experience your goodness. So grateful for that, Lord. And Lord, we want to let go of some things that we found it hard to do on our own. So we come to you, Lord God. Our list today, Lord, is not a list of wants to make life easier or better, Lord God. It's a list of things that we actually want to let go of. We want to replace these things with a peace that you give that goes beyond understanding. We trust you for that part, Lord God. We just pray that you'll help us let go of the things that get in the way. Just let God know what that is at the moment. There's something that's come to mind. You don't have to hunt for it. If you're prompted with with worry, if you're prompted with impatience, if you're prompted with bitterness, whatever it might be, there's something that you're prompted with, just, just surrender that to God. conclusion of Paul's secret is that the peace of God which transcends goes above is greater than all understanding our own comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Lord we claim that today we claim that we claim that you are doing a new work in our lives We claim that you are doing what you always set out to be, set out to do, to restore that which is broken. We thank you for that. We embrace it. We rejoice in that. And we trust you in that, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.